Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. My name is Jenna, and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. Um, This episode is going to be a good one for anyone out there who is a mom, who is an expecting parent, who is a dad, a caregiver, um, and especially anyone out there who either in addition to that or just kind of on its own struggling with OCD, it's going to be a good one. Um, Going to talk today about some tough stuff. Uh, right before this episode, uh, Megan and I were talking about how the maternal mental health system is just a complete dumpster fire. There are so many issues. Um, and we hope to just make some other moms out there feel like they're not alone, help them feel like, uh, they're not the only one who's kind of going through this stuff. So, uh, thank you, Megan, for joining us today, for being willing to share your story. Uh, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and kind of what prompted you to want to come on here and tell your story? Hi, Jenna. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I am a listener of your podcast and um, I was led to it by my own experience um, of perinatal and a postpartum OCD. Um, I, and going through that experience personally um, made me feel like I was the only person, only mom on earth, uh, that was quote unquote crazy. Right. And so I thought there has to be other moms out there. There has to be other people, um, who have experienced this. Um, and so I didn't feel so alone. And so I wanted to share my story in hopes that, um, other moms or moms to be, uh, hear it and cannot, don't feel as alone as I have. Um, and that is my, that's what brought me to your podcast. Um, I am a professor. I teach nursing. Um, so I'm a health professional and, uh, I just like we talked about that there is a lot of problems, um, in the, medical world, uh, maternal health specifically, um, all of the physicians that I tried to reach out to, um, and I had contact with, there were so many red flags, uh, and I didn't get the help I needed, um, when I needed it. And I regret that. So, um, I hoped that my story will lead other moms to getting help that they need, um, earlier rather than later. Yeah. And, and I resonate with so much of that. I wrote down a ton of notes. 
Um, I feel a lot of the same way. I feel like my one regret in the past in hindsight is why the heck did I wait until my son was a year and a half before I finally got into therapy? I'm a therapist, you're a medical professional. And obviously we both seemingly ran into some uh, stumbling blocks, some hurdles and some barriers. Definitely want to talk about those, but I feel like even if it was a smooth ride, like professionals did understand this or we still probably wouldn't get the help as soon as we needed it. So let's start first by going into like how, especially in the perinatal period, right? Because a lot of times we talk about postpartum, but we don't talk maybe as much as we need to be talking about how it can come up in the perinatal period, right? Like as you're pregnant. So why don't you just talk to, bring us to the beginning. So perinatal experience, uh, how did you know that you started to struggle a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the stories always start with chapter one, right? And, and looking back, what triggered the I did not, I was not ever diagnosed with OCD before I was pregnant. Um, perhaps it was the change in hormones. Uh, perhaps it was something else, but I can say personally, uh, I feel like it started with, uh, the day I, um, the day after I found out I was pregnant, coincidentally, we had a gas leak in our home. And it was just a small gas leak, but it, it, it was barely noticeable. Um, but it's something that, uh, we didn't really, we didn't really catch. And so this is even hard for me to talk about because it was a traumatic, it was almost a traumatic experience for me. I was so happy to be pregnant, right? Um, it was a surprise and we were over the moon, but then I realized that I had been living in a house for a whole week. Uh, with a gas leak. Um, and that I think, uh, triggered something in my brain, um, like almost like a traumatic event. Right. And all, and from that time on, I was, I never had certainty that my baby was going to be okay. Right. Um, then all of a sudden everything uncertain was not okay. You know, I was not okay with any uncertainty at all, which, so that was like the little snowball that started uh, going down the hill, getting bigger and bigger until it just demolished my whole life, you know? Um, so that's, that was the start of it. I obsessed over this gas leak for many weeks, um, Googling, um, trying to get reassurance that my baby was going to be okay. But, you know, you, you know, that no one could give that to me. Right. And, and that was terrifying. And soon, uh, it turned into everything else. I, uh, I just, everything in my environment, it, there was danger. There was, everything was going to harm my baby. Um, everything. It was, it's just crazy to think about. Um, I couldn't possibly list everything, right? Because uh, there was so much, but I can tell you some interesting things. Um, polyester curtains. I was terrified of polyester, thinking it was going to uh, harm my baby. So I remember tearing down all of my curtains and throwing them in the garbage and getting 100% organic cotton curtains, you know, um, I was afraid of anything that smelled. And I think that has to do with the gas leak. 
um, any, any hint of smell. Now this, all pregnant women have a sensitive nose, right? Um, but this was extreme. Uh, it was, if I smelled any fragrance at all, uh, I, I was in an immediate fight and flight response. Um, like someone was going to get killed, <laughs> you know, um, and my whole body, uh, just shot out of a cannon. Like if I smelled anything, um, and I still tend to have that response, but it's, it's much more under control, uh, pesticides, uh, like lead, lead was a big one. And I could go down a rabbit hole with that one. Um, flame retardants, smoke, um, I threw out a Christmas tree because it, you know, had a little lead warning on it, which I don't know if you know, most Christmas trees do, but uh, as you can see, it was really hard to live with me too. My husband, it wrecked our marriage at that time. And um, it was, it was, I I wasn't functioning. Uh, When I had my son, it continued to snowball, you know, um, and I didn't seek help until he was about six to eight months. I can't remember for sure. Um, but it came to a point where I was doing so much Googling, so much, um, obsessive thinking, uh, days on end, you know, it would be three days at a time. I would get stuck on something and I wouldn't let it go until I exhausted myself you know, with Googling and seeking reassurance and, um, trying to make myself feel better, you know, and sometimes that took days, sometimes it took a weeks. Um, and, uh, I wasn't present for my baby, you know, and that, so that's the hardest, uh, thing to, in the way that he really needed, you know, and so I'm going to close this and not, not go too far into it, but it was never, it was never the lead or the pesticides or the gas fumes or the polyester curtains or the radiation um, or the fragrances. It was never any of that that was actually harming my baby. It was me, you know? Uh, and so that, that was my biggest nightmare, right? Uh, but I didn't realize it at the time um, that my, the level of anxiety that I had was really the problem. It was, it was never the chemicals. That's so incredibly powerful because I think I have chills right now. Oh my gosh. So just from a therapist, I I come at these podcasts from two perspectives, especially when I'm talking to moms, right? Like I have the therapist brain that's, you know, evaluating everything from like, oh my gosh, you're talking about how it's all snowballing. You're talking about how there's such an intolerance of uncertainty. You're talking about just this sense of urgency, right? But then I also have the mom brain and I'm going back to my own experiences, like of how my own issues snowballed and um, just remembering myself, like how stuck, how stuck I would get on things. And just that feeling of like, you do one thing and you think that's going to be it but then all of a sudden it's three days later and you're just exhausted and you're just so far down that rabbit hole, you can't get yourself out. So you're mentioning so many things that I think are just critical for women to understand and they'll be able to relate to it so much. I think it's so important what you said about, it's not about the Christmas tree. It's not about 
the gas leak. It's not about the lead. It's about doubt, right? Like it's about this dysfunction in how I'm interpreting threat. I think so many people when they're early in their OCD recovery or just they are not aware, they're like, oh my gosh, I just want all the lead out of my house. Like, I just want this gas leak to be fixed. I just want this thing. I just want to figure out this thing. And it's like, that's not the enemy, right? Because it's just going to be something else. It's, it's going to be something else. It's always something else. Always. Yeah. And, and I get really stuck as a therapist because so many times people are like, well, you know, what can I do about contamination OCD? What can I, you know, what, what exposures can I do for this type of OCD? And of course I understand why people are so um, kind of connected to these subtypes. I think they're great in a lot of ways, but it also distracts people from exactly what you're saying, right? Which is like, it's not about the lead. It's not about the Christmas tree. It's not about the gas leak. It's about doubt. And the fact that you are wanting to keep your baby 100% safe and you're not able or willing to tolerate any uncertainty about that. Like that's the problem. Um, Yeah, exactly. Because even if, even if I did protect him from everything, right. And you know, I tried my hardest, um, life, we live in a dangerous world, right. And with toxins all over. Um, but just as the world took care of me as a child and as an adult, it's going to take care of my son too, you know, and I can, and there will always be something, uh, that is going to risk hurting them. You know, that is life. Um, and, and so part of, you know, the recovery process is, is realizing that I am not in control of that. You know, as a mother, I, I, I try my best, but I am, I am never going to be able to shield him from the world. And really would I want him to live in the same fear and to be scared of everything like I am? No, absolutely not. I want him to live life with no fear. Right. So, um, I just, I had to, uh, to find my way to seeing, seeing that light. That's so amazing. And and I want everyone to get there. I, I know my moment of light came a lot of my issues specifically about my son were about him dying unexpectedly and um, more so like, is he going to die before I die? And like, how am I going to cope with that despair? How am I going to cope with that um, feeling of regret or feeling of guilt? Like, you know, all the things I wish I would have done differently. Like, how can I cope with that? And I wanted cert. I, I want, I remember wanting certainty so bad. Like I would have done some despicable things if somehow God himself could have promised me or the universe could have written a promise to me that your son is not going to die before you. Everything is going to be okay. Like I just, I wanted that thunderbolt moment of clarity so bad. And right. I don't know what happened, but one day I realized like, wow, I'm literally never going to get that. I am literally never, no matter how much Googling I do, no matter how much protecting of him I do, no matter how much I drive myself crazy, I am, I I cannot protect him. Like that could happen. That could happen. And I, I, it came to me kind of in a, in a moment of clarity too. Like it, it seemingly did for you just like, 
I can't spend all of my son's life and all of my life with him worried about him dying. Like I, I, everyone has to live with that fear. Megan has to, you have to live with that fear. My son has, my husband has to live with that fear. The mom across the street has to live with that fear. Like I have to live with that fear too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Jenna. Um, and I know one of the things that was asked it, asked of me from my first therapist, my postpartum therapist who was working with me on it. She says, Megan, what does it mean to you to be a good mom? And I like looked at her and it was, and I know she knew, right. What she was doing when she asked me that. Um, but I, I was like, yeah, you're right. It, you know, being a good mom doesn't mean protecting him from lead. Like, being a good mom to me is to show him love, you know, be his peace, uh, have fun, show him life and how, how wonderful it is. Right. But my everyday life was rattled in fear and crying and obsessiveness that I wasn't, I wasn't being the mom he needed me to be. Um, and, and so that really changed my thinking and really motivated me to do the hard things, right? To, to, to change, to purposely carry on a life, um, by, by choosing, uh, and not by just like a momentum of that snowball. Yeah. And, and let's talk about that snowball, right? Because so I feel like so many times people, they're in the moment, especially with high anxiety, which is typical after having a baby, right? Like mothers are hardwired for these experiences, unfortunately, right? So I feel like we get stuck. We do one little thing and then we do one more thing and all this, it just snowballs. It, it gets more intense. It gets more intense. An example of this is um, I used to be very, very scared that I would have like accidentally left my son somewhere like in a cold parking lot or at the grocery store or something. Um, Mm -hmm. And it got even worse when I was really sleep deprived. I started to not be able to trust my own senses or trust my own experiences. I would, it started off, I would be driving home from the grocery store, for example, and I would have that doubt that a lot of times moms do, right? Um, Doubt is normal, doubt is not the problem. Did I leave him in the parking lot? Did I really remember putting him in his car seat? I would look in the mirror. I would see him. Oh, okay. He's good. But eventually that wasn't enough. And I started to doubt myself because with OCD, there's always one more, but what if, but yeah. what if you're so yeah. sleep deprived that you didn't actually see that. What if you think you saw him in the back seat, but you didn't actually see him or what if you saw him, but he's dead. Um, And so then it became, okay, I can't just look at him in the mirror. I have to engage him. I have to hear him. And so I would try to get him to talk. And then it would be, that's not enough, right? What if you're uh, delusional? What if you're hallucinating that? What if you actually need to touch him? So it got to the point, Megan, where I literally, I was pulling over on the side of the highway multiple times to look at my baby, to interact with my baby, hear him talk. I had to engage all of my senses. And I was even taking him out of his car seat to like physically hold him. Um, mm-hmm. and it just, it snowballs so fast. Mm-hmm. And eventually that wouldn't have even been enough. 
eventually mm-hmm. I like OCD would have latched onto one more thing, whether it was, I'm just not going to drive anymore, or I need my, I need to take a picture of him, or I need my husband to reassure me that he's here. Like it's never going to be enough for the OCD. You eventually have to just, you have to get to the point, maybe it's working with a professional or hopefully, you know, listening to some of these self-help things online that we offer are great too, but you know, I, I now have to drive with my son in my, in the, in the back. And I, I have to challenge myself not to look right. You have to challenge yourself to do the hard things. Otherwise it is going to snowball and just become to the point where it's completely out of control. Yeah, absolutely. That's a perfect example um, of that choice. You know, I know mental health is often not a choice, right? Like I, we didn't choose to have OCD. So I'm not saying that, that, you know, you can just choose your way out of it, but it is, it is, um, challenging yourself, knowing your triggers, um, challenging them, uh, right. Like personally, uh, becoming more powerful than, than that question. What if in your brain, um, to, 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 to try to live, uh, functionally with the mental health condition. Right. Um, and so the snowball, I sort of tried to smash it initially by disconnecting myself from what I knew my triggers were, which was being on any sort of um, Facebook group for non-toxic living, right? Or um, the lead uh, groups or anything. Um, so I just didn't allow myself to be uh, that, to be that be part of my everyday life. Um, I I wasn't going to go down any rabbit holes anymore. You know, I live side by side with some of my triggers still, right? Because life is life. Um, and they still continue to be triggers, but I, I don't allow them to overtake, um, overtake my thinking, you know? Um, and, and so that is how I tried to, uh, to, do those hard things. That's amazing. Um, if you don't mind, we would love to hear like what that process was like for you. I I also want to hear about like the barriers and, um, you said that it was difficult to kind of finally take those steps and get that help. Um, I want to talk about the red flags that you experienced, so we'll get there, but I would love to hear about your experience, like in therapy or just on your own, what, what kind of hard things did you have to challenge your, what other hard things did you have to challenge yourself to do? And what was that like for you? Like, I think sometimes people expect it to feel easy to leave the Facebook group, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to leave it and I'm going to continue on my life and it's going to feel fine. But I'm sure when you went to go log off or went to go uh, leave the group, your OCD was like, are you sure you want to do this? This is not a good idea. This is very irresponsible of you. And you had to like push through that, right? I feel like people expect it to be easy. I hear so many times that, you know, yeah, I, I tried to resist this ritual, but I just kept being anxious. So I went back and I just, I, I rejoined the group and it's like, no, of course you're going to be anxious. That's what, that's what, that's what's going to happen. You need to keep going. So what was your experience like? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's hard to remember, right? Um, it's been a couple of years, but I, as soon as you said, uh, Ooh, am I sure I want to, um, do this? It's irresponsible of me. I remember thinking something very similar, like, well, if I delete this group, if I'm not part of it anymore, then I won't, I won't know if a toy gets recalled for lead, 
I won't know about uh, those plates that have lead in it. I won't know about the toxic uh, Christmas trees and the rugs and the curtains and the clothes, you know, or the the water bottles that have have uh, been recalled for lead again. You know, I won't know about that stuff. Um, but I'll say a motivating factor was how uh, how bad my relationship uh, was. Um, I would say harmed by my OCD with my marriage. You know, um, it got to a point where uh, it was really, it was it was really hard for my husband to understand. Right. Um, he, and he's a type of person that doesn't give me reassurance, which is, which is a good thing, I guess, for OCD rate. Right? But, um, he, he just really did not understand at all. And, um, I knew, I knew I had to do that. I had to delete those groups. Um, I had to try, I had to challenge myself. I had to try to detach myself from how I've been living, um, and thinking in order to save my marriage and in order to, um, to, to build the type of relationship with my child that I wanted, you know, I, I got to a point where I was like, well, you know, I am really sick, you know, I need to go to therapy. So it wasn't, it wasn't my OBGYN. It wasn't my midwife. It wasn't the pediatrician who sent me to therapy, even though there was huge red flags, you know, I was sitting in their office, just bawling. I was asking for lead tests on my six month old baby. Um, I was calling poison control. I called 911 twice to come check for gas leaks in my house. Um, I was told by some of the doctors to have, go have a glass of wine, um, pick up some yoga, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised. My OBGYN said that I just need to stop being so hard on myself and just let my son have a pacifier. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. um, and probably because, right. I don't know about you, but how many times did you fill out the depression scale? I could go like, on and on about this. <laughs> so the, Oh my God, this is like 20 <laughs> times. Right. And, and maybe I was like borderline depressed, you know, postpartum depression, but it was never, uh, it was never, uh, it, they didn't, they didn't, um, take the time to do a comprehensive assessment. No, you know? they don't. Um, and so, so many issues with that test. Right. And this is so important for Hopefully we catch moms like before they actually give birth, because this is the ridiculousness that you will need to advocate for yourself through, unfortunately, <laughs> but yeah, you will get, I think if you're lucky, you might get this depression screen. It's called the Edinburgh depression scale. I think, um, before you leave, I'm, maybe before you leave the hospital, but probably not, but should maybe at your six week appointment, um, which again is ridiculous, but this is a depression scale. It's a questionnaire. It's a self-report questionnaire where you will basically say yes or no to whether you experience certain things. And they're very scary. It's like, do you um, cry all the time? <laughs> um, do you uh, have thoughts of hurting yourself or hurting your baby? Um, 
things that moms don't really want to be like, yeah, this is my life. Here you go here <laughs> have this. Yeah. Um, and then, so it's, it's super face valid, which means like, you know what it is that they're asking for. So it's just like very up in your face and not very, uh, like tactful, I guess is a way to say it. Um, so it's very scary for women to fill it out. Secondly, yeah, we can lie about it, right? We're probably not going to be very honest. And even so, why aren't we testing for anxiety? Why aren't we testing for obsessive compulsive disorder? Why aren't we testing for trauma? Why is it just depression? Because anxiety and OCD too, I'm sure the research would say that anxiety is way more commonly experienced in new moms than Mm. depression. If anything, depression definitely does happen singularly kind of on its own. But a lot of times it's kind of secondary, right? Like, yeah, I cry all the time because I'm so freaking anxious and I just want to feel like myself again. Yeah, I am having thoughts of harming my baby, but I don't want to be having these thoughts. These are thoughts that are coming out of nowhere. So it's just totally a misinformed system. And it's almost detrimental. I mean, it is detrimental. It's awful. It's terrible. Uh, Even when I, so I'm a therapist, obviously in my community, I'm pretty well known in my small community of, for being like an OCD professional. Like I, I work with OCD. I've been working with OCD for 10 or 12 years. So I'm pretty well established as like one or two of the OCD specialists in my community. Even the professionals who knew that, who I was working very closely with my OBGYN, my primary care physician, when I advocated for myself and said exactly what it was that I was experiencing, I told you my OBGYN said, oh, you just need to stop being so hard on yourself. You need to just let your son have a pacifier. And even then when I advocated further, which so many women, they shouldn't have to do, and they probably don't do right. Because they don't right. have the education that I have as far as mental health goes or knowing what OCD is. And there may be they were just gaslit. Of course, they're probably not going to be able to like be bold and just like fight back. But anyway, even Mm -hmm. then, Megan, even then when I went to my primary care physician and said very clearly, like my OBGYN wants me to see you for um, OCD and anxiety, they started to give me the freaking depression scale. And I'm like, I can take this scale right now, but I will tell you right now, I need you to give me an anxiety version of this and an OCD version of this. I need the Yale Brown obsessive compulsive scale now. I'm like, why am I doing that? Why am I having to ask for that? And Mm -hmm. what are the women who don't know? (laughs) What are they doing? Right. We're missing them. We're missing missing so much. And what do we do about it? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It is terrible. So, you know, so many women have to, um, get so far down, right. Um, that rabbit hole and, and it maybe you you do a life destroyed almost like mine was in order to reach out for help on their own. Um, what are the likelihood, you know, I'm, I am fortunate. I live around Chicago, so you know, we have a postpartum specialist, uh, clinic, right. That I reached out to how many moms across this country and other countries, uh, the whole world that don't have access to that sort of specialty. Yeah. Terrible. It's absolutely mm-hmm. terrible. So, I mean, and you know, my one, one hurdle that I had with my specific type, you know, I, 
um, even though I'm a nurse, <laughs> it was interesting. I didn't care about germs. I didn't care about illnesses or infections. Like that didn't scare me, right? Um, it was the chemicals and toxins and such. And so um, I was scared to take medication too. You know, that's not something I was willing to do because it was, it was part of my subtype, you know? Um, so that was an even bigger barrier um, to my recovery. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh my gosh, so many good things here. So I, I don't have the answers. I don't know what we do. I, I'm just hopeful that moms hear this, that expecting moms hear this, that other caregivers hear this and they are like, they feel equipped. I, I hope they feel more equipped to advocate for themselves. They kind of aren't blindsided by the lack of help um, or the utter gaslighting and ridiculousness that they face because they probably will face it. Um, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many women have come on here and said the exact same things that you have said. And it's just really, it's really terrible. Um, but how, I mean, what you've mentioned right in the beginning, right? Like you felt crazy. You felt like there, and I did too. I felt like there was something wrong with me. I felt like I was all alone. And you said that you, you still kind of feel that way. Right. And I, I do too. I don't know that that ever goes away completely. So, you know, and looking at where you're at right now, how are you doing right now? How are things for you right now? Um, so I would say, you know, am I completely recovered from OCD? You know, I, I know, no, because I, I still find myself getting, uh, you know, triggered in certain situations, but I can go through them with so much less rage and anger. That's how it manifested in me. You know, I turned into like this crazy, angry monster anytime yeah. I got triggered. I think so um, many people don't, uh, they're like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I, I can't be anxious. I'm not like rocking back and forth in a corner or like biting my nails. Like, no, it can come out as anger. I feel like that was mine too. Like if, if my, um, trying to think of an example, but like, I don't know if my husband wouldn't give me the reassurance that I wanted, I would get, I would get so angry so angry and mm -hmm. it's a really common manifestation of of just our OCD not getting what it wants it's essentially a toddler having a temper tantrum in our brains yes exactly acting like a toddler you know which was hard for my husband to deal with having a, a newborn baby you know um but now today I have uh, we have a daughter as well. So I had another baby. I was scared that that was going to come up again, right? Almost like a, you know, post-traumatic. Uh, I was scared that I was going to let myself um, let that happen again with hormone changes and everything. But being consciously aware um, of, of my actions and my thoughts, reaching out to therapy, um, when I knew I needed it, you know, um, and basically asking for help, you know, and getting the therapy I needed made a huge difference. Um, and continuing that today. Right. And, and this has led me down a journey to healing past traumas, going back into childhood. I'm doing EMDR work. Um, so the OCD sort of became a trigger for me to, to, um, to not only heal, uh, my OCD, but to dive even deeper 
you know, I found out that I have complex PTSD, um, which is commonly comorbid with OCD, eating disorders, substance abuse, all of these things that I have struggled with at certain points in my life. Um, so I got to know myself a lot better. And in some ways, I'm, in some ways, I'm kind of, kind of glad, I guess, that I, I went through the OCD because I'm not sure I would have the, the personal understanding of myself um, and in my life if I didn't. So in that, in that way, I'm a little grateful. <laughs> I, I, I think that's beautiful. And I, I always knew, even when I was in the trenches, when things were really, really bad, I knew that I would eventually get there myself. I knew that eventually, like, Jenna, I know that this is going to make sense one day. Like, you know, this is going to make sense one day. Just hang in there. Like, this really, really sucks right now. But it, you will eventually get to that point. Not maybe where you love the fact that you went through this or whatever. Like, where <laughs> yeah. you can see the where you can see it, right? Like, where you can kind of, it kind of clicks and it makes sense. And you can take something from it. Uh, and I'm there with you. Like, I, there's a quote that I found, again, when I was totally in the trenches of it. Um, it's a roomy quote, a poetry quote. Uh, that's the wound is the place where the light enters you. And I just, I printed that out. I got everything off of Etsy that I could find with that quote. And I just hung it everywhere. I think I still have it on my nightstand because it was like a reminder to me that like, eventually this will make sense. Eventually you'll be able to kind of be at peace with this. And I am with you hundred percent. So I was just with my son alone for a week. We didn't have COVID luckily, but we were all really, really sick. Didn't know what the heck it was, but I was with him alone in 2020 for two weeks when we had COVID the first time. And it was the worst experience of my life. Like I remember telling my husband, if, if that ever happens again, and I have to be alone with him a hundred percent of the time, like just put me in a straight jacket and send me away because I will not be able to handle it. Like I will literally, I feel like I would go crazy. And like, that's not even a, I hate to use that word, but I feel like I, I felt for the longest time, like I would not have been able to handle it. I did not like alone time with my son for the longest time. I used to constantly be like waiting for uh, my husband to get home, looking at the clock, asking him what his schedule was. I hated being alone with my son because I felt like around the death thing, right? Mm -hmm. I felt like I was either constantly like averting him from threat and like constantly trying to protect him in a way that made me not enjoy my time with him. And then I'd feel bad that I wasn't enjoying my time with him and, or, well, he's not going to live very long. So you need to enjoy every moment he could die tomorrow. So you need to enjoy every moment. I remember I didn't, even when I was rocking him to sleep, I was like, I need to touch him. I need to be close enough so that I can smell him and really appreciate this smell. I need to look at him. I can't let my eyes close while he's sleeping. I need to be looking at him and taking him all in because he could die tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And it's, it wasn't even one of those, like, oh, that's sweet. I really want to just like, enjoy every moment with you. It was like, mm -hmm. you need to enjoy every moment because he's going to die tomorrow. And if you don't, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life that you didn't hold him close enough that you can smell him. Right. Like it was very, it was very dark. Um, so long mm -hmm. story short, I, I hated being alone with my son. It was always just so much pressure and so much darkness and we were home alone together 
and it was great. We had a great time together. I would have never without having seen how awful and how dark things could be. I would never be able to appreciate alone time with my son. Now I would, we now every six weeks or so, every two months or so, we literally just book like a weekend in Milwaukee or a weekend in Madison, just go on like a little staycation together or like a small overnight, just the two of us, because I, I appreciate my alone time with him so much more now because I remember how dark it was. Yeah. And you're free. You are, you freed yourself from those thoughts, you know, that kept you from being present and, you know, uh, because you were able to then look down at the situation from a bigger point of view, you know? Um, so that that's beautiful. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't, I, I mean, yeah, I'd probably be able to tolerate being alone with my son, but I don't know that I would enjoy like find so much gratitude in it. I don't know that I would feel such like peace in my heart uh, because yeah, I, I know. And I remember how dark it could get. It, it sucks, man. But I'm so glad you're at the point now where like you were able to have another baby and you kind of fought through that. I don't think I'll ever get there and that's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah. yeah. You know, and just, I guess for those I've hear a lot of from moms who had severe postpartum depression or anxiety or what have you. Um, and they'll say, well, I'm afraid to have more kids because of that, you know? And I think there was a part of my husband and I, we would talk, you know, we, I think my, my husband had more of the fear that it was going to happen again. You know, those are his words. Um, and I said, you know what? No, I got this. I I'm, I'm not going to let it control me you know, um, and I, I have the help I need now. I didn't know with my first child what to do. I didn't even realize it was happening. Um, and I didn't, I couldn't even put a name to it. You know, I didn't know. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I'm experiencing OCD and this is just the way it is. And I just, no, like it, it was just a way of life. And I was in a constant state of fear. Um, and all of those fears were valid to me. You know, they were real. Um, it wasn't something quote unquote crazy to me. I knew I was suffering and that's all I knew, uh, but I, I didn't know who to reach out to. Um, but with my second one, I had more tools in my toolbox, right. And I had more awareness and, um, I, I then didn't have as much fear than, you know, with my second. Mm -hmm. For sure. So yeah. we talked about so many good things. Oh my gosh. And I want to make sure I always ask those very specific questions before I kind of wrap things up here. Um, knowing everything that we've talked about, if you could go back at any point, especially we had that nice little kind of, you know, you know, acknowledgement that we don't love what happened to us, but it happened to us. We can kind of radically accept it, see the good in it. Um, what would you have told yourself knowing what you know now, what would you have told yourself back then? Um, oh, I would have said, Megan, um, like your son, uh, your son is safe, you know, um, and it's not in your control. 
and um life is not here to harm you you know you are here um to show your son how how beautiful life is despite uh its risks you know Mm -hmm. OCD has a way of making you hone in on something very, very um, specific, right? That it's hard, if not impossible for us sometimes to kind of zoom out on the big picture of things. Um, you can get so focused on the gas leak, on the chemicals, on on these things. And it's like, whoa, there's so much more to being a mom. I was so focused on death that I was like, whoa, what if he doesn't die? Like, what if I spend my whole life worrying about his dying and I don't end up having a good relationship with him because I was so worried about it. Right. So yeah, out is, is important and it's really hard to do. Um, what, what advice would you give to someone just like you who maybe is a new mom is kind of going through, uh, some of those early experiences, they're starting to feel like they're just not themselves. Like this is anxiety. And this is, this is intense. Like I, this, something's not right. Um, what would you give them as far as advice or any recommendations or just encouragement? Um, so I would say seeking help, you know, through therapists, um, was the big game changer for me personally. Um, I don't, if, if any mom feels like something's not right, um, or you're just don't feel yourself, um, or you're struggling in any way with the relationships in the family, um, anything, you know, even if you speak to your doctor and (laughs) you don't get the response that you really need, right? Um, most of us have to take it into our own hands and advocate for ourselves and reach out. And also if one therapist isn't a good fit, you know, don't quit there. Get, just get another one, right? Um, I think I've gone through six, <laughs> not, for, not for OCD, but you know, it doesn't always work out, but I'd hate for a mom to to, um, not get the help she needs because the first therapist wasn't a good fit, you know, and, and, and wasn't, um, equipped to, uh, to help in the way that they need. Yeah, for sure. And there could be lots of reasons, like you said, lots of reasons why that might be the case. Um, you know, just not a good fit. Maybe it's a therapist who doesn't specialize in OCD, Maybe, maybe, you know, it's just personal, right? Like maybe you want to be with a female and you got set up with a male. That's all okay. You have the ability and the right to advocate for yourself and find that right fit because, um, it's obviously such a personal relationship and it's okay to transfer. It's okay to advocate for that. Um, so last question here, obviously I, we love talking about doing the hard things. We've talked about that even just in this episode you know, your decision, you, you are very clear about that. It was a choice. It wasn't a choice to have OCD, but it was my choice to go onto the computer and get out of those Facebook groups. It was a choice. It wasn't easy, but it was a choice. And you identified why you needed to do it. Um, why is it important to continue to have to do these hard things? Um, because I, you know, I have found 
over the course of, you know, the four years, almost five now that I've struggled with, um, this is that when I push myself to do the hard things, they become easier and they're not so hard. And that's why it's important to do the hard things. hundred percent. And knowing, I think in that is the inherent knowing that like, yes, it's hard now. It's not going to be hard as hard tomorrow. It's not going to be as hard the next day. It's not going to be as hard the day later. But if we go back and we continue to choose to live our life according to what the OCD wants, right? Like we're signing up for, for more snowballing. We're signing up for more triggers. We're signing up for more anxiety. We're signing up for more going down the rabbit hole, more Facebook groups, you know, more arguments with husband Mm -hmm. choosing to, to get away from those groups or whatever it is, you know, it's hard in that moment. It's both hard. Both of these things are hard. Having and living with OCD is hard doing these exposures or resisting rituals. That's also hard, but at least one is more consistent with the trajectory. That's your recovery, right? Like you're getting back to being yourself, living a life that's consistent with your values. Um, so it's going to be hard one way or the other. And that doesn't mean not to do it. It means what is aligned with your values. Like what would future Megan want? What would future Jenna want? And that's so huge. Yes, exactly. You know, and it, it is those doing those hard things. Um, they're hard because I have OCD, right? They're not hard for, for maybe the other people who don't, but doing those hard things for me, um, has been the key, you know, to shedding the light into the wound. Like we talked about. Awesome. Well, this was so good. I, I know that this is going to help so many people every time that I'm here, it helps me a little bit. I hope it helped you a little bit. And I certainly hope that it helped. I know that it helped a lot of other um, expecting caregivers out there. So thank you so much for your willingness to share your story. Um, And I can't wait to share this with other moms. So thank you so much, Megan, and way to go on your recovery. I'm so glad just like mom to mom that you're in the place that you're in right now. Yay. And you too, Jenna, thank you so much for giving me this platform. Of course. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.